Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, Raider Nation? Matt Holder from Silver and Black Pride here. Well, the Raiders season is pretty much over, but we've got eight more of these things, so I'll be dropping the news, the injury report, and answering your mailbag questions. And go ahead and start asking me some draft questions, because I know you guys know that I love all things NFL draft. Anyways, let's do it. I want to start things off with some good vibes here, so I'll start by talking about a couple of rookie undrafted free agents, linebacker Luke Masterson and quarterback Sam Webb. I thought Webb played pretty well against the Colts, all things considered, because they were picking on him a lot, but I thought he had a couple of nice PBUs and a couple of nice tackles after the catch. Masterson, I thought, struggled a little bit more, but Coach Josh McDaniels had some pretty good things about to say about the two UDFA's performances. I think both are really quality young players that were fortunate to get with them when we did after the draft. I think just two good examples of guys that have really been out there every day and that have really progressed throughout the course of the year, whether it's on the scout team, which which is where a lot of their reps were at first, McDaniels said. But they're competing every rep, making our players on the offensive side of the ball better, or some of the reps they take on defense and then have the opportunity to contribute there as well and learn and grow and improve. I think both of them have factored into the kicking game literally since the beginning of the season, unselfish, durable, out there every day improving, working very hard, study the game plan, whether they're going to play 60 plays or 10. There's going to be some things we're going to be able to correct today on tape for both of them, but I thought both of them played with really good effort, made some plays that helped us, and we'll continue to look for that from them going forward. Again, the Raiders season is still sunk, but these are the things you like to hear about a team like this at this time of the year. All right. So here's the part where I immediately turn around and bring the mood back down and go over the negative part of this dysfunctional season. So I'm sure all of you saw Derek Carr getting teary-eyed at the podium after last week's game and essentially calling some guys out for not putting out as much effort or caring as much as other guys in the locker room. And then Devontae Adams kind of backed him up by saying that some guys just aren't bought all the way in. Well, the next day Josh McDaniels was obviously asked about all this and the team's lack of effort and said, I think you'd have to ask Derek Carr more specifically what he was or wasn't referring to. I can't speak to what he was referring to specifically, but in my opinion, when you see us out there fighting and grinding and playing hard, and we're right there at the end of the game, I don't have an issue with the effort or competition that I saw on the field last Sunday. Okay, well I can tell you that I saw a 37-year-old Matt Ryan run for 39 yards while defenders were jogging, so I think that might be a little bit of an issue. And I've got to say, this is kind of throwing Carr as a leader under the bus and undermining him. But in fairness to McDaniels, he did go on to say that he appreciates how much Carr and Adams care. It does seem like there is some friction there, but nothing has come of it, so it doesn't sound like any of these three are taking anything personal or anything like that. However, the Las Vegas Review Journal's Vinny Bonsinger did imply that Carr and Waller might be butting heads. Bonsinger wrote that a source has told him that there's been a growing frustration with Waller's injuries and absence within the Raiders, and that Waller might be one of the players that Carr is referring to in Carr's emotional post-game press conference where he's talking about guys not putting all all, their, or all in to return to the practice field. Waller had been in and out of practice before going on IR, while Carr had fought through a back injury, so there might be some weight to what Bonsinger is saying, but I'm not going to dive too far into that article because there was a lot of dot connecting or some speculation, 
But the one thing that is true, or the one thing that does seem to be a fact, is that the Raiders are growing frustrated with Waller's injuries, as sources have told that and confirmed that with Bonsignor. Since I'm already talking about McDaniels, I might as well dive into the vote of confidence Mark Davis gave him this week, with Davis stating to Ed Graney of the Las Vegas Review-Journal, As far as Josh goes, I have no issues. When you sign someone to a contract, don't you expect him to fill that contract? I like Josh. I think he's doing a fantastic job. You have to look at where we came from and where we're going. We had a coach, John Gruden, with a 10-year contract and a 10-year plan. He had to lead the team last year, so we did an exhaustive search and found the person we believe is going to bring the Raiders to greatness in the future. Davis continued to speak with ESPN's Paul Gutierrez and basically parroted McDaniels with the whole, we've been close in so many games spiel, and to be honest, there were a couple things that bugged me about Davis's quote. For one, the quote-unquote fantastic job part. The Raiders are 2-7 and seven after making the playoffs last year and improving the roster in the offseason. So I'd love to know how Josh McDaniels is doing a fantastic job. That also brings up my second point, which is this team was a playoff team last year and now has the second worst record in the NFL, so the whole you have to look at where we started part doesn't even make sense. Say what you want about fluky wins last year, but they were wins, and that's something this year's team doesn't seem to do, and there's one big difference on the sidelines. But hey, it doesn't sound like anything is going to change. I'll also acknowledge the Bill Plasky quote, which said part of the reason why Davis won't fire McDaniels is that the Raiders are cash poor and don't want to or can't pay for the coaching staff's buyouts. To be objective here, I'll also acknowledge what A.J. Perez of Front Office Sports said, where he pointed out that the NFL teams get $300 million from the current TV and streaming contracts, which covers a $208 million salary cap for the players and leaves a little less than $100 million for coaches, and that's before ticket revenue, sponsors, etc. Now, the one thing that could come into play here and give Plasky some more credit is that when Carol Davis passes away, Mark is going to have a substantial tax obligation, especially now that the Raiders are worth about $5.1 billion after the move. Kale is getting up there, so Mark might be trying to make sure he has enough cash on hand when the time comes. Now that last bit is my, or that last bit is speculative on my part, but I'm just trying to paint a complete picture for you guys as much as I can with the information that I know. It's become one of the running themes for the Raiders this year, but they've struggled to get a pass rush outside of Max Crosby, and Patrick Graham was asked about this and talked about how to solve the problem. One, it starts with me, putting them in a good spot to isolate the other team's weaknesses and try to get them in the right spot in terms of whether it's protection, whatever it may be there, Graham said. So it starts with working hard and trying to find out where their weaknesses are and then trying to put our work, or trying to put our guys in the best spots and work the techniques for the individual battles. So that's where it starts. Graham said there is no magic solution, especially this late in the season, to find a pass rush improvement. It just comes down to effort and preparation. No different than probably most walks of life, it starts with putting in hard work, Graham continued. Then you start turning over every stone and trying to figure out maybe it's something you could throw a different scheme here or something like that, just in terms of the football part. But it starts with the hard work, and it's our job. We gotta find solutions. That's the way I've done it in the past. For our weekly roster move segment, the Chargers waived defensive tackle Jerry Tillery last week, and the Raiders officially claimed him on Monday. Tillery, who was originally from Shreveport, Louisiana, was a first-round pick out of Notre Dame back in 2019, coincidentally drafted one pick ahead of Jonathan Abram, who was let go last week. The former Golden Domer brings over 106 total tackles and 10.5 sacks to the Raiders' defensive line, and hopefully he'll be part of the pass rush solution that Graham was talking about. Las Vegas also brought in a few guys for workouts this week, 
defensive end Tim Ward, wide receiver and former Raider Rico Gafford, safety Kat Nakua, and defensive back Kobe Tippett. All right, a couple of things for a news wrap-up this week. First, starting this year, the NFL will be honoring former Raiders head coach and Pro Football Hall of Famer John Madden every Thanksgiving with a special segment called the quote-unquote John Madden Thanksgiving Celebration. The name is about as uncreative as can be, but it should be fun, and I know Coach will love it as he is well-known for being a huge fan of Thanksgiving, and I'm sure there will be a few turduckins involved. The other update has to do with the NFL Draft, as the Raiders currently hold the number 2 overall pick after their loss and the Panthers' win. To round out the top 5, Houston is picking first, and they play the Commanders at home this week, Carolina in third going to Baltimore. The Eagles have the Saints pick, who host the Rams, and the Jaguars are on a bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Raiders' injury report was fairly clean this week as everyone was listed as at least limited on Thursday and the following players were the limited ones. Wide receiver Devontae Adams, Adbenen, linebacker Luke Masterson, ribs, offensive tackle Colton Miller, shoulder and ab, linebacker Denzel Perryman, hips and ribs, and cornerback Sam Webb, knee. The following guys were listed on the report but were full participants. Quarterback Derek Carr, back, and offensive lineman Jermaine Illuminor, elbow. As for the Broncos, They've already ruled out wide receiver K.J. Hamler and fellow wideout Jerry Judy as questionable with an ankle, while Kendall Hinton, Denver's third-string slot receiver, also didn't practice on Thursday with a shoulder, so they could be down a few weapons on Sunday. It does look like edge rusher Baron Browning, who has missed a few games, will be back in action, though. And that'll do it for this week's injury report. On to your mailbag questions, and as your weekly reminder to have your questions answered on a future show, either tweet your questions at me, at mholder95, or email them to sbpquestions1 at gmail.com, at mholder95 on Twitter, or sbpquestions1 uh, via email. That's the word I was looking for there. All right, first question, how many games will the Raiders win this year, and how low does this season rank for the Raiders in recent history since 2000? I think they're going to win four games this year. I think they win two more to the last uh, eight games of the season. Uh, which two of those will be? I don't know. Maybe the Rams. Maybe they'll surprise somebody or upset somebody along the way. Maybe even get up to five. But I feel like the four to five range is probably going to be their sweet spot, which is honestly going to be kind of frustrating because they might end up outside of the uh, the top five and maybe even the top three with that with just, with that many wins. Um, but we'll see how that works out. But yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to go with four to five for the for the rest of the way and how low does this season rank in recent history since 2000 um probably up there with 2017 for sure i'd argue this was probably yeah i'd argue this was probably a little bit less disappointing at least for me personally i went into 2017 like fully convinced that they were going to win the super bowl with with the the young core that they had and they were about to build a dynasty obviously that didn't work out um, not that I'm still upset about it or anything. Whereas this year, I kind of felt like with the changes in the division, I didn't have as much Super Bowl aspirations. I felt like they could make it and they'd have a chance, but I wasn't as hopeful. Um, and then obviously it's completely blown up in their faces. So 
I think from that point, I'd probably give a slight edge to 2017. But as far as team for team, that 2017 team would definitely beat this uh, this current team. I just think it, that year was more disappointing for me. But yeah, it's probably up there with that one. I think maybe the year after the Super Bowl year, what was that, 2003, when there was still hope, obviously, that they could maybe make it back, probably be up there. I was still a little too young to fully grasp what was going on for me personally. So probably put it up there with those two, the the, the years after having Super Bowl hopes. Um, I mean, everything after that was just false hope, really, at reality. So yeah, probably put it up there. Definitely a top three most gut-punching seasons, probably two. And you can make an argument with one. I wouldn't fight you on that one. Next up, can Dave Ziegler survive if Josh McDaniels gets fired? My gut reaction is no, because I kind of view those two as a package deal. And I think they literally were this offseason. I mean, their buddies going back to their college days. So it does seem like they're tight at the hip. And I think if one of them goes, the other one kind of goes with them too. But then someone also posted a question on Twitter when I saw thought uh, when I posted something similar to this. And it kind of made me stop and think for a second. Would Dave Ziegler really fall on the sword and turn down a uh, a general an NFL general manager gig to stay with his buddy Josh McDaniels? And my gut reaction, like I said, is to say yes. But I also kind of think back to his time when they were in Denver. So the way, in case anybody else doesn't know, the way Ziegler got into the NFL was through McDaniel's time in Denver. So he brought him on as a scout or personnel in the personnel department, something along those lines. And then when McDaniel's got fired, Ziegler stayed and worked his way up in, with the Broncos. And if you remember, McDaniel's was out in, uh, well, out coaching for the Rams, or the offensive coordinator for the Rams for a year before he went back to New England. Um, even after McDaniel's went to New England, he or Ziegler was still in Denver. So Ziegler has worked outside of McDaniels, and then obviously they linked back up with the Patriots later after Ziegler built his own reputation. So I could see a world where maybe they fire McDaniels and maybe they keep Ziegler around because they like the drafts and like some of the trades he's made. There have been a few players, like we're talking about Masterson and uh, Webb, that have been good finds. Parham's a good find. Um, same thing I'd say with Neil Farrell, who's been coming on lately. There, Munford's been a good seventh-round pick. So maybe they are confident, More would be more confident in Ziegler. Again, I get the feeling that McDaniels is probably going to stay anyway, but yeah. I I feel like we could see them split, and then, but yeah, my gut still says that they're, they're going to stick together. But, I don't know. I don't know if that made it any clearer. I think I just rambled there for a little bit and told you both sides of the story, but yeah, I... I I'll say that they're they're a package deal, and I think if one of them, if you're gonna get, if you're gonna keep one of them, you're the keep, you're either keeping both of them or getting rid of both of them. Is basically the end, the end of where I'm at after all that long windedness. All right, last question of the week here, and my favorite: Can the Raiders trade McDaniel's and Siegler for a ham sandwich? Would improve coaching decisions? Well, it depends on what condiments are we talking about on the sandwich, because I don't know if anyone would even give up a good ham sandwich for those two right now, because it's been, it's that bad. It really is. But in all seriousness, you know, I know I just rambled for five, ten minutes or something like that about Josh, how Josh McDaniels could get fired and Dave Ziegler could save to stay. Um, I think the way I'm kind of approaching it for the rest of this year and the offseason going into it is McDaniels is staying. I mean, it doesn't seem like Mark Davis is going to get rid of him, whether Mark Daniels, Davis is cash poor or not. He's very publicly backing McDaniels, and I don't think uh, 
Mark Davis wants to burn through coaches like Al would. Um, I do think there is some credit to that argument as well. So I think they're going to stay. I'm Again, I'm just kind of embracing it, hoping for the best. The thing that does worry to me is there is a lot of the Raiders' future on the line in this upcoming draft with so many picks and so many holes on their roster. But like I was saying, I think they did a decent job of finding some talent in the draft, um, especially in those little rounds. I think they've gotten pretty good return on their draft class considering the amount of capital that they've had. So I'm hopeful that they can figure it out, hopeful that they can have the premium picks and hit on those, which we obviously it's been a while since we've seen that from the Raiders. Um, so staying optimistic. But yeah, that's the best way I can work at it is no going into this offseason. They're keeping keeping both of them and keep trying to focus on the guys like Dylan Parham, like uh, Sam Webb, like Neil Farrell, hopefully keeps playing well. And all the gems that they found and maybe they can uh, maybe they can find some diamonds in the rough and we can all be looking silly at the end of this. But yeah, it's tough right now. I get it. All right, that does it for this week's show. Thank you guys as always for listening. As your weekly reminder, the Raiders kick off at 105 again this week. One That afternoon uh, kickoff slate for us West Coasters over here. They will be on Fox, though, so slightly different channel. Switching it up a little bit on you guys this week, but again, 1 p.m. PST kickoff. Make sure to tune in. As always, make sure you're following me on Twitter. Follow Silver and Black Pride. Rate, review, subscribe, and download wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, guys.